What's going on everyone? It's Indiano here and in this episode of the podcast I have the pleasure to have Luis from Freedom Pact and during our conversation you will be able to listen to Luis and I talk about how to have a successful podcast, how to have interesting guests um, and also about purpose and self-improvement in three specific areas, health, wealth and wisdom. So let's get into it. Well, I would like you to present yourself first, please. Okay, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, I'm a big fan of what you're doing. I love your Instagram account. I think the uh, the content you've got on there is fantastic as well, especially for your age. Um, I was really impressed when I found out you were just 15. I think uh, if I was doing what you're doing when I was 15, I'd probably be a lot further along with my life by now. Um, but yeah, I run uh, the Freedom Pack podcast. I think we're at uh, about 150 episodes now. Uh, we've interviewed, you know, successful businessmen to actors to authors to psychologists to just about anyone that I think can bring people value, in, and that's what it's all about. Awesome. And well, now I would like to talk more about um, the journey of Freedom Pact and how the, the idea came up. Yeah, so the idea originally started because long before the podcast existed, uh, me and my friend Joe, who I run the podcast with, we used to go on these nighttime drives. Um, so Joe would pick me up in the car and we would just go for a drive and we'd talk about all the things we'd learned that week. So, you know, maybe one of us would re read a book and we'd tell the other one all the, all the great things we learned in the book or if we'd listen to a podcast and we'd share ideas and we'd just, you know, start with those ideas and then build on the conversations. And these conversations would go on for, for hours and hours. And I turned to Joe one day and I said, man, I think we should, you know, maybe just record one of these conversations just for fun. Um, and so one day we, we did that. We were in the car um, and I just pulled out my iPhone and I just clicked record on the, on the voice note uh, app and just recorded a conversation that lasted like two hours. And it was about the education system, I, th I think it was about. And I listened to it back. I didn't want to upload it anywhere. Um, and I just remember listening back and thinking, I wish I heard this conversation when I was a young boy. Um, and I thought, well, maybe it can benefit other people. So I went back to Joe and I said, that conversation we had the other night, I think we should re-record it. Um, you know, but just present it a bit better and, and maybe upload it. And at first he wasn't really uh, too fussed on the idea. I think he was a bit, you know, had a bit of imposter syndrome, maybe a bit embarrassed to, to start a podcast. But I talked him around. I think it took a few weeks for him to say yes. Uh, we re-recorded it. Um, we uploaded it. And yeah, I didn't do many lessons at the start. Um, not many of them did, but that is how we started. It was just two friends having honest conversations and we realized that these are the conversations we wish we'd heard when when we were younger and how did you start to well um upload more constant content to the mm. podcast yeah so after that first episode i think we, we left it a few weeks so we had one episode for like three three weeks um and then we'd slowly just you know continue to have more ideas and, and more conversations and up upload them sporadically. It, there was no routine to it. Um, we just sort of uploaded when we 
liked or when was convenient. We had no schedule. Um, and it got to a point where we started, you know, attracting maybe like something small at the time, maybe like 30 listeners, uh, an episode. And we thought to take it to the next level, we needed to start, uh, coming up with some sort of consistency, some sort of plan. So we dedicated, I think one episode every two weeks to start out, um, where I would come up with the topic and I would interview him about that topic. And then two weeks later, he would pick a topic and interview me. And I think we did our first 15, 16 episodes with just me and him before we even had a guest because we couldn't get a guest at that point. And then from that point on, when we started uploading more consistently, we decided that the next step was to start getting guests. And that at the time was a really tricky thing because it's something I hadn't done and networking wasn't a skill I'd really developed to that point. Um, but I think, yeah, it was the right time to start getting guests on who could bring more value. And uh, that was a new challenge in itself then. And who was this first guest? Okay, so our first guest was uh, a motivational speaker from the UK called Cameron Parker. And that came about because, look, I think when everyone starts a podcast, you want to go to the Dean Graziosi straight away, right? You want to get the biggest names possible, but that's not always, you know, possible. You know, if, if you're having small listening figures, then these really successful people aren't going to come on your podcast. So I think the most important thing we realized early on was that we had to start slow um, and we had to realize where we were. And so I went online and we're from the UK. So I thought we might as well start local. And so I started looking up inspirational people in the UK. And there was a motivational speaker that was, um, you know, doing tours of schools. And I checked out some of his content. And yeah, I resonated with a lot of what he was saying. And uh, we got him on. Um, I think it was over the phone originally we did the podcast because before we started doing them from our house, we actually recorded in the car. Um, I brought my laptop in the car and we called off a mobile phone and um, yeah, it was, it was really poor quality at the time. Um, but yeah, that was our first guest. And then from there, we, we made a rule where every new guest we got, we would try and raise the bar a little bit. Oh, and well, so you started just um, doing it for fun, right? But then when you started having more guests and starting started having more clarity, um, what did you decide to be the purpose for Freedom Pact? Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, purpose is, is a big thing to begin with anyway. I think that's one of the, the, the things you need to realize early on with your podcast is you want to define why you're doing it. Um, you know, no one's going to start a podcast and, and make money off of it in the first year. Um, you know, I know that might upset a lot of people to hear, but that's, that's the reality. I think we've been at this for almost uh, three years now. And it's only in the last year that we started making um, noticeable money from it, really. And, and now we're at a place where we're fortunate enough to be doing that. But yeah, in that, in that first year, so that was all about purpose and why we were doing it and it was just simply um to have the conversations we, we we wish we'd heard when we were younger and so we came up with um a a sort of motto that gave purpose to the podcast and that is getting the information from the people who have it and giving it to the people who need it and that 
is what we always told ourselves when we were looking for guests. We thought, right, what information do they have that we or our audience need? Uh, so that was the, the main thing. Um, the second motto we gave ourselves was timeless ideas, transformational content, and optimize your life. So those are three big things we were thinking about when we were trying to attract guests. So ideas that had, you know, stood the test of time, um, content that we think that people could take actionable um, advice from, so things they could start doing that night after listening to the podcast. Because there's nothing worse than when you listen to a podcast and they're saying all these amazing things, but you have nowhere to start or take action uh, after listening and optimizing your life. And that leads into our main motto, which is healthy, wealthy, and wise. And so those are the three areas that we um, base the podcast around. So our guests will fit into one of those categories. So healthy, we've had, you know, neuroscientists, um, nutritionists, doctors that fit into that health side. Wealthy, um, you know, we've had millionaire businessmen on that fit into that bracket. And wise, we talk to psychologists and philosophers and, 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 and people of that ilk. So those are the three areas we try to cover. And that is really the purpose behind what we were doing in the first year before we started making any money. Great. And well, I mean, um, doing the podcast also helps you, right? And well, it helps you to develop in these three areas you consider important, right? And well, now I am talking more about um, spiritual uh, things, but I mean, I would like to know like your personal um, big perspective of life and why do you do all what you do? I've spoken to uh, Jay Shetty's teacher, his monk teacher on my podcast, as well as another monk. So two monks, so Garanga Das and Gopal Das. And I spoke to them about this idea of service. And why is the most important thing that, that you can be doing, not just for other people, but for what it does for yourself. And so I think that's a, a big thing when it comes to my podcast, because I think my version of serving is having the conversations I'm having and putting them out on platforms uh, where people can listen to those conversations for free. So living to serve, I think, is a, a massive um Uh, thing that, that plays in my mind when I think about the podcast. Um, another thing as well, I think I, I'm the type of person that needs to be creative. Um, I, th I can't think of anything worse than, you know, uh, going, waking up in the morning, going to my job, uh, coming home eight hours later, and maybe sitting in front of the TV and, and doing nothing else. Because I think for me, I've always thought if that's all you're doing, you're just sort of helping build someone else's dreams for eight hours a day and um, why would you not want to come home and build your own dreams or work on yourself and you mentioned they're getting out of your comfort zone i think that is one of the most important things you can do um you know that's how you build a, a strong and resilient mindset is by purposely putting yourself in situations that are uncomfortable and you know if you there's no there's no growth in comfort zones you'll never grow as a person unless you put yourself in uncomfortable situations and so i think especially with the podcast that is a thing that is that is not always comfortable i mean you know i 
I can speak to, you know, a, a millionaire businessman one day. I'm not a millionaire businessman. And so I don't know, you know, all the, I'm not an expert in all the things we're talking about. And then the next day I'm speaking to, you know, a psychologist. I don't have a, like a doctorate in psychology. These are uncomfortable conversations. And so I think that is, is, is a big thing that helps me grow as a person as well. Yeah. And I mean, um, getting out of your comfort zone also helps you serve more, right? Serve other people more. And by serving other people, and well, this, what I'm going to say is a reflection that I have had, well, the last days. And well, by serving other people, you connect with your nature, right? With, I mean, we are social animals. And by connecting with your nature, you just connect to something bigger than you. Um, And here you can call it God or the universe or however, but I mean, that's something inspiring, right? And makes you just want to leave because you're gonna die and well actually um i'm i'm telling you this because i would like to know um your perspective on also that since we are already talking about spiritual stuff (laughs) and well this with the things you have learned and what you learned from the monks yeah um again one of the things that i talked to with the monks is um with those two, Garangadas and Gorgobaldas, obviously serving uh, was a massive one. Another one was um, uh, avoiding distraction. Uh, that was a that was a massive one uh, takeaway I had from those conversations anyway. And you know, the monks they they take themselves to the monastery. There's no distractions. There's no phones. There's no laptops, and that is on another level. And I'm not about to become a monk. That's not going to happen. But I can shoot. I can still take that that concept myself and not let myself get distracted by things uh external things and 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 continue to focus and continue to to control the mind and also a big thing is you know not getting distracted by things that are outside of your control um you know if you can't control something you shouldn't waste your time worrying about it you know um there's you know there's small examples so if like someone cuts you off in traffic um, you know, if you let that ruin and consume your mind and consume your day, then that makes no sense because there's nothing you can do about it. It's already happened. And so wasting your time thinking about it isn't going to get you anywhere. Um, and so just con- uh, concentrating on the things you can control, as in, you know, your emotions, your mindset from that moment onwards after that happens, how you let that affect your, your, your driving, if we're going to go with that analogy, is, is what counts. So I th- think a big thing I took away from those conversations was yeah focusing on what you can control and focusing on yourself and not being distracted by things that are outside your circle of control and outside of your circle of concern well getting more into the part of the freedom pact um you mentioned that you now do monetize the podcast and I would like to know what are well how do you monetize it and if you just started a, a podcast uh, how would you monetize it yeah okay so um when you're looking to monetize if especially if you're in your the, the infancy of your of your podcast i think that you have to keep in mind uh, a realistic view of where you are um you know if you're three 10 20 episodes in you're not going to be making uh, a lot of money if you are making any but 
I think if you want the quickest route to monetization from what I have found, it is to double down on YouTube. Um, I think that is the easiest form of monetization is very easy to set up. And the metrics aren't too hard. I think to monetize, you need a thousand subscribers and uh, 4,000 watch hours. And then I think you can monetize on YouTube. And it is easy because, you know, once you're monetized, you don't have to worry about going out and looking for advertisers or uh, partnerships. YouTube does all that for you and they put the ads on your videos and it's very easy. All you can control is how many ads you put on your videos. And that's a different conversation uh, completely. But yeah, if you, those metrics sound difficult. I mean, if you have no subscribers, a thousand seems like a long way off, but it really isn't because I'd say that going from zero subscribers to a hundred subscribers is way harder than going from a hundred to a thousand. So when you get over that first 100 subscribers, that is the hardest thing because from that point, everything starts to compound um, and, and you'll see them start ticking over slowly. And, you know, you're only ever one episode away from blowing up where you can reach a thousand, uh, no way. And if you're doing long form conversations, like I know you and I are, then it's very easy to, to, to notch up 4,000 watch hours because, you know, you think a podcast is an hour long. You just need 4,000 views really for the entire time. Um, and that's really achievable. I think one thing to avoid when you're chasing monetization is avoid affiliate marketing where you can, uh, especially if you're in your infancy, because I think the return on investment isn't great. And you can look a bit like a snake oil salesman when you're trying to tell someone, uh, you know, put this code in and you'll get 20% off because it's really hard to get people to do that. And even when you do, you're going to make like a penny, you know, you're not going to make much at all from affiliate marketing. So I understand people who do it when they scaled up their podcast, but I think when you're starting off, I think you, you should avoid that. And I think if you do get to a point where you are um, working with brands is to only work with brands you trust because that's a, you know, if you, if you plug in a brand that you don't use or that is, you know, a terrible brand or something that's just uh, a bad product, then that's the quickest way for your audience to just stop trusting you and stop tuning in. I'm not going to name any names, but there's some big personal development podcasts out there that I think are terrible when it comes to this. Um, I think I've, I've, I've heard a podcast before um, and the entire episode was about how you shouldn't eat red meat. And then all of a sudden the interview is cut off with an advert for a butcher box, you know? So it's like, that is counterintuitive to what the podcast was about. And it just looks like you're selling out and it, yeah, it's, it's, it's really transparent. So those are the, the things I'd say to uh, avoid and to double down on YouTube if you're looking to monetize as quickly as you can. Yes, because by selling um, products you don't like, you start losing credibility, right? Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the quickest way to lose trust. And I think in something like podcasting, trust is everything because you know, the, the audience are trusting you to bring them guests that are worthwhile. They're trusting you to ask the important questions. They're trusting you with their time. And time, in my opinion, is the most valuable thing on the planet. And so if I've given you my attention and my time for an hour and you're trying to sell me products that are just, you know, a scam, then 
you're going to stop getting my my viewership yeah and well lately i have been having contact with the next idea and it is of creating info products of the podcast so for example you record an interview or a simple podcast and after that you offer but you don't make people buy it you just offer um the info product that would maybe help them take action from the episode and i would like to know your perspective on that idea that's a fun yeah that's a fantastic idea and one that i've not really thought about um that is a way in which you could use affiliate marketing i think that's a fantastic idea i mean if you have a conversation on um let's think for example maybe like a health you're talking to someone about health and you're talking about certain supplements, for example, that might benefit their health in some way. And then at the end of the episode, you have a section where you talk about products that maybe were mentioned in the episode. And then that is a way of quickly uh, affirming to the listener that what you're trying to sell back to them or get them to buy is something worthwhile because they've just heard um an hour's conversation on why that is a good thing so i think that's a fantastic idea that you're onto there and uh, i'd be interested to see that one in action actually well you might see you, you might see it soon in i look forward podcast. to it and well um so you you have a success you, you have a successful podcast right um you have had great well great authors and millionaires and people and experts and they would like to know well first how do you define success in freedom pact and second how to grow and well create a successful podcast okay yeah i think that the first thing i th i think is concerning guests i think that is the you know if, if you're running a podcast like you or i it's all about guests And that's where a lot of your traction comes from. That's where a lot of your um, future listeners are going to come from. That's how you build a following is, is off of other people's uh, names, really. So the first question I ask myself when it comes to guests is, who would I love to speak to? Because that's what's going to create the most valuable conversation and the most uh, engaging conversation. You know, There's nothing worse than listening to a podcast when you know um the the interviewer isn't that into it okay so ask yourself who would i love to speak to the second question is who can bring my audience value and actionable ideas again we spoke about actionable ideas earlier um for me when i'm when i'm uh, running a uh, interview i like to try and get something actionable so by the end of the podcast The listener can say, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to go away and do right now. I can actually do this rather than just being pretty ideas. So that's my, my second question. Uh, my golden rule as well when it's for guests is to say to yourself, nobody is too big to come on my podcast um, because you're selling yourself short. And look, you can. there's nothing wrong with you reaching out to Richard Branson Because, you know, you might think he's, there's no way he's going to come on my podcast, but you can't hurt in, in, in trying, right? And I get more no's than I get yeses, and I get more people ignore my emails. But some of my biggest names have come from moments where I thought this is never going to happen, but I'll send the email anyway. And it goes back to that old saying, if you shoot for the moon, you're at least going to land somewhere among the stars. So shoot for the moon, man. It, uh, you know, if, if you're a big fan of someone, 
who's really, really famous or has a big following and you think they're not going to give me their time, send the email anyway, because the investment is what? It takes a few seconds to send an email and the return on that investment, if they say yes, could change the course of your podcast or your life. Um, Another thing when it comes to guests as well, I think this is the biggest tip I can give you in reaching out to people is there needs to be some sort of uh, reciprocity. So you have to offer them something or you have to make them convinced that there's some value in it for them because there's not many people out there that will do things or invest an hour of their time as a favor. If you can tell them exactly how it's going to benefit them, they're more likely to come on. Um, So, you know, if you tell them, you convince them it's going to raise their profile or drive more traffic to their website, then it's more likely they're going to come on if they think there's something in it for them. And there will be something in it for them. There's the, you know, that you can get uh, something out of any opportunity and yeah, creating a system. So an email, if I don't know if that's how you reach out to most of your guests, but that's how I do it for mine. I have a template um, and that email includes social proof. So I will mention in the first half of the email, I'll do a rundown of the, you know, the 10 most notable names I've interviewed. And so, you know, if I'm reaching out to an entrepreneur, and they're reading down the list and they're going, wow, this guy's interviewed Patrick Beth David, Dean Graziosi. They thinking, okay, so it is worth my while because they've spoken to these guys. So there's that social proof in there. And yeah, another thing I'd say is get in and out of their emails as quickly as possible. Um, so if they say yes, confirm a date and get out of there because the more, the longer the conversation goes on, the the higher the chance that the person's going to maybe, you know, decide this isn't for them. So get in and out as quickly as you can. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned how to, gr- how to grow your audience and, and, and make a successful podcast. I'd say utilize every platform. Um, I looked at your podcast before we started and I, I noticed you're on YouTube, you're on Spotify. That's exactly what you need to be doing. I think I was 50 episodes deep before I even started YouTube. And that was a massive mistake I made. Um, I neglected my probably biggest platform um, opportunity before we'd even got to like 60 episodes. So utilize every platform. The, the more places you can put yourself, the better, because, you know, you think of there's YouTube, there's Spotify, there's iTunes, there's SoundCloud, there's Stitcher. There's probably plat- platforms you've never even heard of that people listen to podcasts on. So just get them out everywhere you can and follow up with your guests. I mean, like follow up in terms of create content. Um, so let's take, for example, you interviewed Evan Carmichael, right? That's a pretty big name. Now, if Evan Carmichael shares your episode, episode then that's going to get you a lot of views. I think your interview with him done like 10,000, man. That's really cool. Yeah, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, with, an, with, with someone like Evan, who's got a massive audience, you need him to, to reshare the content, right? So create content, create videos, um, create posts and just tag them in it, man, or follow up with an email saying, thanks again for the great um, value you brought, you know, build a bond with them, make them want to share the episode. And I'd say the most important part of growth outside of that is word of mouth. I know we live in a digital age where everything's about sharing and everything's online, but nothing is as good as word of mouth. If I listen to a podcast that's really good and I tell my friend to listen to it, that's the most powerful thing in the world. So I think that the, the way you go about that is 
trying to create the, the most impactful conversations you can and conversations that people can benefit from because they're going to share that then. And um, yeah, I, I think that's one of the most important things you can do as well. Yes, it is all about adding as much value as possible, right? And well, now I would like to know who has been your favorite guest or who well, or which interview has been your favorite? Mm, that's a tough question, man. Um, I think there's been, I think that changes a lot and I have different favorites for different reasons. So I think the first time I interviewed someone I was a really big fan of. Um, so for me, maybe like 50 episodes in, I interviewed Robert Green. Um, and I'm a really big fan of Robert Green. I know my co-host is. And so that was like my favorite episode for a long time because I was thinking, man, I interviewed Robert Green. And that was like quite early on. And so that stuck out as a big milestone. But there's other episodes where like you'll interview people that maybe you'd never heard of before you picked up their book and they surprise you when they come to the podcast. Um, I think one, one that sticks in my mind is I interviewed a man called Nick Yaris, um, who's not a very popular name, but his story is so crazy. So he spent 22 years on death row in a prison for a crime he didn't commit. And so he spent 22 years in prison for no reason and finally got out 22 years later. And they had this conversation with him about freedom and how it feels to, to live like a normal life and how that, how he reflects on that now. And that's a conversation that sticks in my mind all the time, but man, there's so many, I've got so many lessons from these conversations. I think they all tend to crop up uh, in my mind at least once or twice a day, to be honest. And what do you think has been your biggest lesson by interviewing? I mean, um, regarding a specific interview or just the journey of interviewing? Yeah, so I'll, I'll give you both. I'll give you a few from both. Um, if we start off with the journey of interviewing, I think the biggest thing I've learned is, and this one thing I'd love you to take on board with your podcast, never sell yourself short um, in terms of both your time and quality so for example i once had a podcast uh, booked in for quite late my time because i live in the uk and a lot of the people i interview are american so you guys your time zone is a little bit behind mine so sometimes i have to stay up to like midnight to interview people um so it's, it's quite an investment and i remember one night it was like 11 o'clock at night and Maybe I had work in the morning, but I was going to stay up for this podcast. And the guy I was interviewing um, didn't turn up and like 10 minutes went by. And so I sent him an email and I was like, um, you know, is everything okay? And he said, look, I forgot. Um, I'm out on my bike. Um, I just forgot about it. Can, can we, you know, maybe we can do it again sometime. And for me, I think in that moment, that, is disrespectful in the sense that that tells me that the person thinks their time on this earth is more valuable than yours. And that is not the case. I don't care if you're the most successful person on the planet or you can, you know, you can blow my podcast up. I think if you disrespect someone's time in a way like that, 
then I'm not going to compromise myself or, um, you know, the, the, the respect I have for myself or something like that. So never sell, sell yourself short on things like that. And also quality. Me and uh, my co-host Joe have a saying um, when we do our podcast is that we have this place called The Bin. And um, if someone comes on the podcast and they give rubbish value, like the episode's not very good, then we put them in the bin and they never go out. And I'm not about to put an episode out that I think is bad just because the person has a big name and it might be good for my podcast because I think that is a way your audience loses trust in you um, because you want to bring them the best value you can, right? But if you start compromising, then that's not going to end well for you in the long run. So never compromise your time. Never sell yourself short on time or value. So for example, I'm not saying it is the case, but if we ended this interview today and you thought, man, Lewis was terrible. Like he, his interview sucked. Like I, that was terrible. I was boring. Then don't put it out, man. Like don't put it out. You're not obliged to put these things out because someone's invested an hour of their time. Like you, you don't have to put it out if it's not good enough or you don't think that represents your brand or your podcast well enough. So don't ever sell yourself short in that regard either. Um, so yeah, those are, those are some big lessons from the process, but from, uh, the episodes I can get into some of the, uh, uh, biggest lessons I've learned from the guests I've interviewed, if you want. Yeah, please. <laughs> okay. So I've got a few that come to mind. Um, so we'll go through them. The first one, I interviewed an author called Laura Vanderkam and we talked about time and the fact that we have more time than we think. So what I got from that is that like, we all tell ourselves stories, like we're working around the clock, we have no time. And I think that everyone probably overestimates how long their work hours are in the grand scheme of things, because it's human nature when it involves something that you don't want to do to build it up in your mind, like it was a really long time. Um, and, and, and things like work tend to be structured which sort of expands the time in our mental accounting. So like if you're at home and you're and it's like leisure time, it has no structure to it. So like when you're watching the TV, you're not saying I'm going to watch the TV from one o'clock till one forty-five, and then I'm going to read from one forty-five to one. So you're not scheduling it. And so that time seems to go a lot like faster because it's not uh, like regimented. It doesn't have a structure to it. And our perception of time is sort of shaped by what we're doing with it. And if you're doing more memorable things that include, you know, like something intense or something that has risk taking, like doing this podcast, for example, they stand out more in your mind because like adult life is routine. So like when you commute into work, um, everything happens at the same time and it doesn't register in the brain. And so it sort of all collapses into this like memory sinkhole where the time feels like it didn't really, you didn't do anything with the time. Like it doesn't exist. Like 30 years, like, okay, maybe like two years from now, for example, you're not going to remember the shift you did in work on the 10th of November from eight in the morning till four in the afternoon. But two years from now, you might remember the fact that me and you had this conversation because it was something memorable and so it feels like that time actually exists. 
and so that, that that is a big thing and like you can try and and consciously put things into your life that are more memorable so like small risks of doing things outside your comfort zone which we already talked about and they're the things you're going to remember because they're emotionally intense and your brain is going to hold on to it and therefore like it's going to have the effect that you're, you're making more use of your time or the time is going a lot slower so that is the one of the lessons that i try to to remember is that we have more time than we think and to not trick ourselves into thinking that there's not enough hours in the day um Another big one is I interviewed a, a businessman called Bradley and he talked about the importance of choices and that choices are everything in life. I think the quote he said to me was, if you show me someone who makes flawless choices, I'll show you the most successful person on the planet. And that's because sim- the simplest of choices lead to the biggest things like everything you do so like what you have for dinner what time you get out of bed um what you do with your time for the next half an hour those might seem like little like pointless choices but they build up to the biggest things and he taught me that everything every little thing that happens to you in life can be traced back to a a choice you made so that's what I think about even when I'm trying to make the smallest of choices I try and uh, think about where they're going to lead um, another big thing, I interviewed a member of the SAS, so the special forces in the UK, um, called Ollie Alton. And he came up with this framework called the purpose pyramid. Um, and I'll explain to you what that is. So I use this pretty much every day now since interviewing him. And it's this framework that can tell you whether something deserves to be in your life or not. So it's called a pyramid because there are three questions. The first question is, do I enjoy it? The second is, does it help me? And the third is, does it help others? So let's go through some examples, okay? This pod, doing this podcast, do I enjoy it? Yeah, I enjoy it. Does it help me? Yeah, it, you know, it, it helps me think. It helps me work on myself. And does it help other people? I hope so. I mean, if they listen and they take something from it. So that's three yeses. So I should keep that in my life. Now, yeah, I, mean, technique... I am learning right now. <laughs> exactly, man. So in this technique, you need two yeses for something to stay in your life. So let's take another example. Me binge eating chocolate, right? Let's talk. Let's think of that as, as, as something. Do I enjoy it? Yeah, probably. I mean, who doesn't? Does it help me? Not at all. It makes me feel bad. It makes me feel sluggish. I'm going to feel bad for the rest of the day. Does it help other people? No, because it puts me in this sort of drowsy, lazy state and I can't give my energy to other people. So that's only one yes out of the three questions. So now I try and remove that from my life. So anything that I bring into my life, I try and think of that purpose pyramid. So always ask yourself three questions. Uh, Do I enjoy it? Does it help me? Does it help others? If you get two yeses, keep it in your life. If you get less than two, get it out of your life. Um, so that's a really important framework that I use. And the last one I'll talk about is something I mentioned already. Uh, I mentioned Nick Yaris uh, when I spoke to him, who'd, who'd been on, on death row for 22 years for something he didn't commit. And I remember speaking to him and I was like, aren't you angry? Like, 
aren't you really mad that they wasted 22 years of your life? And he said, like, no, he said, I'd do it all again. Like, I wouldn't change a thing because the lesson I learned about freedom and what that means is more valuable than those 22 years of my life because every day when I get out of bed in the morning, that is like a miracle to me. Or when I, when I come home at the end of the day and I see my wife sitting on the sofa and I go over and like give her a kiss on her head, he said, that's like the most magical thing. And so he appreciates every moment of his life. And that's why I try to think of when I'm having a bad day or if I feel like life is unfair, I think to myself, have some, have some perspective, man. Like you're waking up in a comfy bed every morning in under, under a safe roof with, with people you love and you're quite lucky in the grand scheme of things. So I think when you, when you find a story like Nick's that gives you perspective on things that me and you take for granted, then that can really transform the way you think about life. Yes, it does. <laughs> and well, I have just two more questions. Um, well, first, as I said earlier to you today, I was listening in the morning to your interview with Tim Graziosi, and you were talking about um, shutting up the limiting voice, uh, the inner voice that stops you from going out of your comfort zone, right? And well, I would like to know what did you learn, but most importantly, what did you reflect from that conversation, from that part of the conversation? Absolutely, man. Well, I think if I apply this to myself, um, I, I think about it in terms of uh, acting on sort of creativity. So for me, like doing this podcast, for example, I think creativity for a start is the most beautiful way that anyone can light up their life. So, you know, don't deprive yourself of, of doing something because that inner voice, I think, For you, for example, you right now, Emiliano, you are, you know, you're, you're running this podcast is very creative. Your Instagram is very creative. Um, and, you know, that, that that's doing so much for you. That's keeping your brain firing. It's, you know, it's, it's keeping everything firing. So it's, it's a beautiful thing. And that inner voice that we talked about with Dean, um, I think that can be an inner voice of fear, mostly fear of ridicule, fear of failure, imposter syndrome. So, you know, if, if we look at those three things, I think the first one, um, fear of ridicule is a massive one, man. Like I started this podcast when I was 21 or 22. I wanted to start a podcast when I was 17, but I was so scared because I was in, I was in school and university at the time. And I was so scared that my peers would see it. They would laugh at me. They wouldn't understand it. I'd get made fun of. And so I let that fear sort of rule me and stop me from doing something that is turned out to be really incredible for me. And so that inner voice can come from fear of, of ridicule. Um, I, I think for yourself, how, you're like 15, you must still be in school, right? So yeah. like if you let that fear of what your classmates might say if they saw your account or your, or your YouTube or your podcasts, then you would never have started this thing that I think is probably really beneficial to you right now. I mean, you're, you're reading books that I, I didn't even hear of until I was like 20, man. So like that is something that obviously you don't suffer with, or you got over quite quickly as a fear of ridicule. And the, uh, another, the, the, the fear of failure. I mean, 
most I think the number one reason people don't start something is because they're scared of it not working out and I understand that but you know that's one thing unless you get over that that's going to rule your life and you might never know like the odds are for a lot of people that yeah you're probably going to fail most things you try but with that failure comes lessons comes resilience and you know it's what me and uh my co-host say to each other all the time we used to go through this phase where every night i'd say to him what did you fail at today and he'd say he'd tell me what he failed at. i said what did you fail at today and i'd say well i tried this and i failed and unless we were failing at something we knew we weren't trying enough or we weren't trying enough worthwhile things and so that's something you, you've got to get over and um Again, imposter syndrome is a massive one, man. Like you, for example, you, you know, you're 15 and you spoke to Evan Carmichael. Like you must have thought to yourself at some point, do I deserve to be talking to someone who's on this level? I'm only 15, I, you know, but you, you got over that. You spoke to him. And the next time you spoke to someone else, I mean, I saw you interviewed Nick from Book Thinkers. You were probably a lot more confident maybe going into those interviews knowing that you managed to handle someone like Evan Carmichael. So that's chipping away at your, your imposter syndrome every time you do something. And I think that that is probably the number one way to, to shut that uh, inner voice up. Whoa, <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. And well, you were talking about um, fearing of other people's opinions, and I actually used to used to fear about what my friends and classmates would say about, I mean, my accounts and all that I am doing. But then I just decided to start telling others, and well, I started with my closest friends, and now I think most of my friends know, if not everybody. Um, but I mean, I am happy with that. And actually, one friend of mine um, is now my video editor. And oh. I mean, that's great. <laughs> yeah, man. That's, that's, and that's a really brave thing to do because, you know, you don't know how they could have reacted. They, you know, especially when you're young, people can bully you for, for things like that. So it's really, I, I admire um, you having that bravery to, to do that at such a young age because I still suffer with it now, man. Like my best friends all know what I do. But I don't like tell people really about it unless they, you know, unless it comes up naturally in conversation, um, because I'm sure there are going to be people that sort of don't understand it or laugh of it or joke. But yeah, man, to 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 get over that um, is massively important, and especially at your age, I would I don't think I would have had the courage to do that while I was in school. Thanks. <laughs> and well, the last question is, what have you learned or applied? recently that you could share to us mm. yeah i think for me at the moment it is just service um i know we spoke about that already but i'm, I'm going through jay shetty's think like a monk and you know that's a question I, I ask myself a lot of um another one um i'm really i don't know if you've heard of the author ryan holiday yeah but i'm really into ryan holiday at the moment and stoic principles so things like, you know, we, like we spoke about already, not, um, not worrying about things you can't control or the way you give your energy to things. Don't give your energy away um, for, for invalid reasons. And, you know, I think that Ryan Holiday um, is really good at that when he talks about, you know, problems like ego 
um, stillness, all these concepts from stoicism, I'm really into at the moment. And so I think that maybe it's not a philosophy that a lot of people can live their entire life by, but I think that there's something in there for everyone. So I would encourage everyone to, to maybe get a little bit stoic. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> and well, is there anything else you'd like to add before wrapping up? No, man, I, I just think um, I'd just like to extend to yourself that, I mean, you're, you're a fine, fine interviewer. Um, I think for your age, it's really impressive, man. Um, you know, in my day job, I deal with a lot of uh, children at your age, and I can't imagine any of those having the type of conversations you're having, reading the kind of books you're having. Um, so I can only encourage you to, to carry on with what you're doing. It's extremely impressive. And man, I, I think you're probably going to go on to do some really big things with the, with the attitude you've got. Um, I'm, I'm really honored that you asked me to be on this podcast. I think it's a fantastic uh, concept. I love your page. And um, yeah, if anyone out there is interested in uh, checking out my podcast, um, that is the Freedom Pack podcast. You can get that on YouTube on Spotify, iTunes, pretty much everywhere, like we already talked about. And um, I hope at least one person out there has got at least one thing from this conversation. If so, it's been a worthwhile conversation and one that I enjoyed a lot, Emiliano. Yeah, me too. Thanks, Ken. And thanks to everybody listening. And thanks for your attention. Hello again. Thanks for listening to the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and that you received value. I hope you learned something useful. And I think that what stands out the most to me are two things. First, to make your life about service by improving in your health, wealth and wisdom. And also the part of prioritizing what you do, asking yourself three questions. Do I enjoy it? Is it good for me? And is it good for the others? And well, so let me know if you liked the episode and what you learned. And thanks again for listening. Peace.